Hello, Kathy McDaniel. Hello, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Edlow podcast. I This is another one that's a big, exciting one for me. I love talking about the afterlife, near-death experience, and you've had a near-death experience. Yes, I have. And it seems like, yeah, it seems like a big one. You, you went you went all over the place. I did. I traveled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'm 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 grateful that you're willing to come on and share your story. Um, I've had a couple other ones on here, and they've been very. It's been very fascinating to hear. Uh, but I want to start by asking a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up? Where? Tell me about your family. Where you are in the birth order. Wow. Um, my dad was in the Navy, so we traveled. We moved all over the country. We were Midwest, East Coast, Midwest, West Coast. Um, and then I've traveled since then. I'm now in the Pacific Northwest. But uh, I was the uh, first of three children, and uh, we were a very religious family. Um, my dad was shot down over the Philippines during World War II and made a pact with God. He landed upside down on a beach and his plane caught fire. So he said, God, if you can get me out of here, I'll become a Catholic. He had been a former atheist. Oh. So uh, we we were Catholic and went to Catholic schools and the whole whole trip. So I bought that whole um, religion, hmm. hook, line and sinker, which um, affected my afterlife. Interesting. Well, that was what I was going to ask is um, I've had a couple other people on who are who have dealt with this and uh, or experts in this. And one thing that's interesting that I think that people say uh, is that every, there's a lot of commonalities um, in near death experience, but that because of our a lot of these things are kind of indescribable, the way that you describe them are in ways that you have filtered through your own personal biases or your own personal stuff. So that's why I wanted to ask is you grew up in a religious home. So that probably colored uh, how you interpreted what you saw. Is that fair? I think not only interpreted, it also um, uh, it made what I saw and in, in in the hell experience. Um, I was taught uh, from a very early age that when I died, I would go to purgatory, even though I was baptized and Jesus died for my sins, there were still things that I would have to pay for. And mm -hmm. so I believed that. And uh, even though you could go, you know, say a rosary and get 300 days off your time in purgatory or do an extra mass, it was a, it was a big math game, you know, and uh, I still worried about what would happen to me when I died. And that, uh, that went with me. Wow. So uh, do you think that that also colored where you went and what you saw? Yeah, I think I manifested the whole thing. Um, I expected to go to a hellish place and I did. Uh, mm. There were um, all kinds of terrible beings and, and things that happened. But um, when over the years since I've been back, and since I've talked to other people with hellish experiences, say, too, that they remember segments, a lot of them do, uh, the segments, I've been able to track back to things that happened in my life that were hellish. So knowing now when I got to heaven to, you know, mix with God and, and see my my previously dead uh, fiance, uh, I understood that, that God is love, period. And, and does not judge. I mean, I learned a lot of, of what I believe now from the hundreds of people I've been interacting with for the last 12, 13 years in the IONS group. That's the International Association of Near-Death Studies. That's a lot of formerly dead people. Very nice people. Uh, very uplifted people. Um, yeah, it's the, the theorem that they all espouse to is that, uh, you know, souls, everything is God. I mean, they're finding that now with, you know, dark matter and energy and all of that. Everything's God. And mm. so we start off as souls, which is pieces of God. Earth is like a school. We choose to come down and learn things, take our, our uh, soulmates. And uh, there's lots of um, reincarnation. You can come here more if you want to. Most people, I wouldn't think. I don't think I'll come here again. 
Uh, I think one trip around this uh, this earth is enough. Yeah, yeah I think so. It's good. I've been told we're, we're the brave souls. You know, there's some sort of badge we're going to get or something. But uh, anyway, it, it's a place where you go and, and uh, work stuff out. And uh, when you die, you get on the other side and you get a live review. And that's with a couple of really nice guides or angels. And it's like watching a movie and, and you get to see your whole life from birth to death and observe it, you know, and you check out, okay, I had certain things I wanted to learn, whether it's, uh, you know, charity or, or your honesty or something, see how you did. And the tricky thing is they flip that around and then you get to see the whole thing again from the point of view of the people that you interacted with. In other words, they you get to see how you treated other people and how they felt about that. Oh, and wow. if you uh, were uh, in a particularly nasty mood and you uh, wrote somebody the riot act and they felt crushed or they felt hurt, you will get to experience that. And that's not a punishment or a judgment. It's just you're you're here to learn how you did. And now you get to understand it. So um, when people ask, well, gee whiz, you know, what about people like Hitler? Do you mean he doesn't go to hell? It's like, no, but he gets to feel all the horror and pain and misery uh, uh, that he inflicted on not only those people, but their families. I mean, what else can you do to the guy? Uh, so um, since I've absorbed all of that i i look at life a lot differently now that's that's interesting let me I, there's a couple of things i want to parse out from that but the first mm -hmm. one being uh and and i want to also go back and kind of chronologically go through how this happened but do you ever like is there ever a doubt in your mind that maybe you didn't actually experience it that it was something else a hallucination anything like that of course, the first couple of years, I thought that. But after 23 years, um, wow. I, I accept that, that that happened in my soul, not in my brain. I had been in a coma for almost three weeks. And the last thing the doctor told me was, we're going to give you something here and you will not be able to remember a thing. Hmm. So 23 years later that I can remember every, every minute. Uh, yeah, I've let go of that. So now another thing I wanted to ask you is, um, so this, you, you think based on what you've learned that we come down here specifically, it makes, I want to make sure I understood what you said. Is it your belief that we come down here to earth to, to have an, you said is like school, but is it, a school, we actually come down here with the intention of learning specific things? I didn't get a life review. I wasn't there long enough, but I've oh, talked okay. to enough people that uh, all, you know, all over the world who had this experience and that they, they felt that, that we choose our lives. One person even said, there's a committee. You got to get, you, you, you go up, you, choose your soulmate. You say, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to live. This is what, you know, and they say yes or no as to whether that's an appropriate thing for your soul. Um, it's so different on the other side than what we've been taught. And I love when I hear something new, but when you think of how huge eternity is, and we've got these little tiny, you know, human brains to go over there and come back and then try and explain that in human language, you know, you fall short. So yeah. um, it's, it's, everything is, it's like, it's like, and it, I find that interesting because when Jesus used to tell his parables, it's, you know, the kingdom of God is like, you know, uh, you, it's ineffable on the other side, basically. Yeah. So um, are you, do you still consider yourself, Christian, Catholic? No. No. Okay. Um, when I got back, um, I started having trouble just even saying the prayers. I mean, simple little things like the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Well, you know, spoiler alert, there are no bodies in heaven. Um, mm -hmm. It was things like uh, he sits at the right hand of the father in a throne. There's no thrones. Um, it, it's metaphors uh, is, is what we're, we're dealing with here. And it's not the reality of what's on the other side. So I had to let it go. Yeah, I'm so, spiritual now. That's what people 
who've been through what I have, we're considered spiritual, not religious. Religious to us is is too confining. So based on what, and like I said, I, I definitely want to go through just chrono, chrono, chronologically what you saw and what you went through. But what do you think based on your experience that you frozen? I can't hear you anymore. Oh, did I? Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. So based on your experience, based on the things that you saw, what do you think that the purpose of all of this really is? And let me, let me make sure I make it clear what I'm asking. Not necessarily yeah. I, I know you think that this is a school, but I mean, what's the purpose of all of it? Is it progression? Is it to become something more? I think we learn. And yes, uh, from what I can understand, there's a hierarchy of some sort of souls and you can your, work your way up in your quote vibration, which, you know, again, sounds kind of new agey, but um, it's, you know, it's probably what happens. Uh, like anything, there's evolution to it. Uh, you become more enlightened, whatever the heck that means. Uh, uh, I'm just, I'm along for the ride and this human human experience trying to grasp at what that means. But that that's the general feeling I get is that mm. karma is real. You know, I mean, you put out and then you get back, simply speaking. And mm. so I guess the object would to become a, a nicer, kinder, lovable spirit. Uh, but I you know, we won't really know till we get over there and stay. Mm. So let's let's talk about what happened. So you mentioned you were you were in a coma for three weeks. How old were you when this happened? Fifty-three. Okay. And so at fifty-three years old, what precipitated the stroke? Uh when the stroke. Um okay. I caught sorry, I was, the coma. Yeah, yeah. A coma. Yeah, I'd been taking care of my former fiance because he had uh, leukemia and he needed two caregivers when he came to Seattle to get a stem cell transplant. So I volunteered and it was supposed to be a three month affair and it turned into almost nine months. The other caregiver broke her foot. So I was taking care of both of them. And there was like very little sleep, a lot of trauma, a lot of stress, and then he died. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just a wreck. Uh, so I, I w happened to go to a concert in Southern California and there was this huge flu going around and I caught it. And by the time I got back home, it had gone into pneumonia. And then I called a friend in the middle of the night, said, I'm coughing up blood. I can't get down my three flights of stairs. So he took me to a dock in the box. And before we got there, I stepped out of the car and went bye-bye and he carried me in. There was no pulse got me in an ambulance. They took me to ICU and um, I was in, you know, put into emergency and then uh, in intensive care for three weeks while I was in the coma. And uh, then I came out and was there another week. And then I had to go to rehab, physical rehab for a month because I weighed 86 pounds and I had no muscle mass or muscle memory left. So I had to start all over again. And wow. it was a tough time. Wow. So um, where does the experience happen in that timeline? Is it in the middle of the coma or after? There's no time over there. So I have no idea. All oh. I know is when I got back, my, my doctor and uh, my family said that at one point came in and said, we're losing her. You better say your goodbyes. Uh -huh. Um, so I assume it was then all I know is that they told me it was all happened kind of quickly. And, um, you know, we have to do this, you know, we, we don't know how to treat you. It's a syndrome. We can't just give you antibiotics. We're going to have to put you in a coma and then we'll throw the book at you. And we don't want you to know what's going on. So we're going to put you in a coma. And it's like, uh, oh, okay. And they said, the last thing, you know, you won't be able to remember a thing. Don't worry about it. So. I was in darkness or nothing, nothingness. I was just gone, like a deep sleep, I guess, where you're not dreaming. But then I woke up and um, I'm kind of looking around and it's pitch dark and there's no sound. And I'm thinking, what's going on? You know, how'd I get here? And I couldn't remember anything about the hospital or my life. I was just this me, but 
in a weird situation. And then it started to uh, progress. Uh, there was a, it was like a reddish glow happened and I thought the sun was coming up. So I thought, well, I'll just hang out and see what happens. But uh, as it got lighter, I could discern this kind of roiling fog. And um, I started hearing shrieks and moans and it started to smell bad and it was getting too hot. And I thought, I don't know what's going on, but this can't be good. And then all of a sudden out of the fog comes this horrible mean voice that just says, do you know where you are? Hmm. And I'm thinking, 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 thinking uh, hell. And then that thing boomed back with this maniacal laugh. And I took off into the darkness and ran. Um, at no time did I think, oh, good grief, I'm dead. Because your soul is you. Your soul is your personality. And I had no idea until the very end of this, this whole long adventure when someone made mention that uh, we were in hell. And that's when it dawned on me. But in the meantime, I had segments. The lights would go out and I would freeze. And then the lights would come up, usually too bright. And there would be this unusual situation. The first one was a uh, bombed out city, looked like New York. And the windows are blown out of the size skyscrapers. And there's fallen concrete with rebar sticking up. There's uh, sounds like tanks or something going on. There's people wandering. I mean, just imagine yourself, boom, there you are in a situation like that, having no idea how you got there. Mm -hmm. So I, I tried to find some shelter to kind of gather my wits. And um, as I was running to try and get to climb up this thing to get on the other side, I thought maybe if I got it in a building, there might be some people. Um, and I fell backwards into this. And I thought I was going to fall on the concrete. And I thought, oh, God, this is going to hurt. And but the lights went out and the lights came up and I was somebody someplace else. And in a couple of these places, there were demons. Uh, I mean, Bigfoot type things, ugly, mean, uh, spoke perfect English, however. And they would give me uh, these tasks to do, which were unpleasant and uh, beyond unpleasant. like what like what uh well i think one of the worst was this i was told we were in this hospital that i had to go into this room and and uh, the doctors would hand me something and then i would have to come across in front of the demon in the hallway into another room and put that object down and then go back and forth and this was my job and he had a like an iron truncheon and he was making sure i was going to get this job done well i wandered into that room thinking maybe i could find a way out or maybe there was some people and uh, i just saw all these beds like gurneys lined up and uh, there were stools in front of them and and i assume doctors sitting on them they had white coats on and they were working between these legs that were splayed and uh, one of the doctors waved a you know bloody hand up in the air and said get over here and i thought, oh, shit, um, you know, okay. So I ran over and he said, put your arms out. And I did. And he had been doing an abortion on this woman. And he slopped this, what was left of this baby in my arms. And I freaked. I mean, I was a pro-lifer. And um, wow. I, I just wandered back in the hall and the demon said, over there. And I went into this room and there were just piles and piles of these aborted babies and uh, the stench was in intense and uh, I came back in the hall and I says I'm not going to do this and he says oh no you you are going to do this this is your job and I says I'm not going to do it and he raised that truncheon and says you'll be sorry it always gets worse and the lights went out so this would, you know, there was a road I was on for part of the time uh, that was just like a moonscape um I never felt dead. I mean, I got tired. I got angry. I got thirsty. I, you know, I, I, I just didn't understand where I was. No, no, no moon, no stars, no clock, no nothing. It was just endless. And, uh, and I just kept running into one situation after another like that. But like I say, when I got home and the last one went click about a few months ago, you know, this has been 20 something years but I was the, in the earthquake in Santa Cruz in 1989 and 
uh, I was under my desk as the seven point earthquake took the town down mm. and it was concrete and windows blown out and sirens and fires and people screaming. And I thought, ah, that's the last hellish piece I took with me to make my hell. Mm. But that's that's been, you know, two decades and talking to a lot of people who have had, you know, similar experiences. This is something that's been rather a torturous affair. So, <clears throat> you know, you mentioned that you we don't know much about what's going on. And you said, well, God doesn't really judge us. But why do you think it was that you went to this hellish experience? I expected to. Hmm. I'd been taught so, my whole life I would go there and I believed it. Plus, I believe now, too, is that something I chose because my mission is to come back and kind of spread this information. God is all loving, all forgiving. And if somebody tells you you're going to go to hell for this, that or the other thing, they're wrong. Hmm. And, um, I've, I've got a group of people, you know, that, that come and go that have had these experiences. I had one guy today. I was selling my book this afternoon at a barbecue place. And he came up and said, uh, he looked at the book and he said, I drowned. And I said, I'll be darned. You know, he was in the military and he was, you know, underwater for, I don't know, like he said 30 minutes. And they, they had the body bag people ready to pick him up. And he came up and he says, no, I was someplace and it was totally black and it was totally quiet. And I says, oh yeah, the void, I've been there. And he says, well, I didn't know what it was, but, but when it got bright, he says, I had somebody had a, a hand on my shoulder and I thought I heard he says, I sensed two beings behind me and I think they were going to judge me. I think it was Jesus. I think it was God and they were going to judge me. And, and and then I heard them say, well, if he wants to go back, he can. And he said, yeah, I want to go back. And he did. And he said, so running into you today, I need to ask you what that was about, you know. Hmm. So uh, this happens all the time. And I said, no, you're not being judged. You had a chance to come back and, and you did. So we, we we talked a bit and he says, I am so glad I ran into you today. I really needed to talk to somebody. So wow. that's what I'm here for. Yeah, that's interesting. So 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 you you it sounds like then your hell experience was you didn't know where you were. It was pitch black. At then first, I, that's the void. Mm-hmm. The Almost boy. everybody goes there first, even if they're going the other direction. It's kind of like a waiting room, a little, <clears> little, <throat> little space where you kind of, hmm. I don't know, transition. And, and this, this uh, demon that you that you describe, these demons, what do they look like? Do they look like humans or something different? No, they look like you know what. When I was a, a kid, <laughs> I watched every monster movie there ever was. So these uh, look like uh, Bigfoot monsters. You okay. Uh huh. Except they like, had like, like Bigfoot, like Harry and the Hendersons, yeah. Bigfoot. Yeah, Harry, Harry like that, but with clothes on. And like I said, when they spoke perfect English, I was I was shocked. Uh, but they were mean, you know. Like this one, this one uh, says you can. The first one I ran into, he says, "You, I can get you out of here. You want to get out of here?" I said, "Well, yeah, I don't know where I am, but yeah, I want to get out of here." He says, "Do me one 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 job. I got one job for you." They kept saying that job started getting worse and worse each time. But he said he he waved his hand, and here's as far as you can see all these blackberry bushes and vines just looping everywhere, all the thorns and everything. And he says, so you cut those down for me and I'll get you out. And then he hands me these scissors that, that kids use to cut paper in kindergarten and mm -hmm. laughs, belly laughs, you know. So I thought, you jerk. I didn't know where I was, what was going on. But I thought, OK, I'll play along. So I scritched down in there. I'm getting all cut up and I was trying to gnaw on this damn cane and it took forever and finally i got it loose and i put it behind me to reach for another one and it grew back all the way to where it was and this demon is laughing he thinks that's funny so that was my introduction wow. uh, there were zombies yeah hmm. uh, that was a very unpleasant situation that was probably the well, worst well what do the zombies eat if there's no bodies you don't well they attack others and like I say, this was my this was my hell. I don't know what whether they do on anybody else's hell, but that in my hell, that's what they were doing. They were attacking people. So, attacking so, people. so you're you're actually <clears throat> just so I maybe you don't know. I'm just asking. So you are actually you're this is your soul. So you don't have a body, but you're viewing things as if it's in 
uh, like an earthly form going you don't, on. You don't know your dad, no. Uh uh. Yeah. But okay, so can you can you feel almost similarly to like you have a body? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the sensations. Uh, I I don't know. It's yeah. it's not here. All right, but it's um, it's real. Uh, when you're there, yeah. I mean that's your reality. Is is that? Um, you, you you mentioned you, there's no time, but did this? I mean, it sounds like this was a long period. If you're doing all yeah. these different. Yeah, when I got back, I'm laying in the hospital. I can't move. I can't talk. I can't do anything. And this is all rattling around in my head. So I tried to reconstruct it to feel how long was I gone? You know, but I mean, it was only seconds or minutes, earth time. But uh, well, like for anybody that's been on the other side understands that there's no time. Time is kind of a construct of earth and this in this universe. It, it doesn't happen everywhere. I mean, we have, you know, everything spins and then the moon goes this way and the tide comes in. And that's, a, that's, that's not uh, in heaven or the afterworld. There's no time. It's always now. So, so this, this hell place that you're at, do you, uh, did you ever visit with what would be considered the devil or Satan? Nope. Okay. Just the demons. And, uh, I saw a couple of people that I know that were relatives and they are alive. That was weird. Um, hmm. I had to give them both messages when I got back hmm. and I did, and that didn't go well for one and the other one it did. So the messages were, Hey, if you keep up what you're doing, this is where you're going to go. Pretty much. Interesting. But it was not, it was, it was, it was your life is going to be hellish. Hmm. That was more the, more the, um, it wasn't a judgment thing is, is the way you're going is going to make you really unhappy. And you probably need to take a look at this. So how did you, this, this part of the experience, how did you um, interpret that? I guess, like, what do you think if, if, it, if there's not, if we're not judged necessarily and that God loves us all and is merciful to everybody, uh, what, what did you make of that hellish place that I manifested it? Okay. So is it, is, is it your belief based on your experience that, that the afterlife, there's some sense your afterlife will be what you manifest? Um, the God part now, I mean, God is God, no mm -hmm. matter what you think, you know, um, I could not, when I, I got out of there, I got out of there, uh, at the end, uh, by being a brat again. And, um, by being a brat again, what do you mean? Yeah, by that? I mean, I would, I would just buck them. That's that my, my book is misfit in hell. <laughs> you know, I don't like bullies. I don't like being yeah. told what to do. And so, uh, when, you know, I spoke up and, uh, at the very end I was with this, Oh God, it was a horrible experience with a bunch of ladies We'd all been raped by the zombies and had trudged through the snow. And now we're, we're in this little hut with the you know, snow and coming down. And the lady demon says, now we wait for customers. You know, I mean, it couldn't get much worse. So. Well, um, hold on, stop right there. So was there, yeah. a, there was a, a moment there where you were essentially like you were put into like almost like a sex slavery for. For or demons? for hell is how I'd interpreted that one. Wow. Yeah. So you actually, you actually experienced this while you're there. Well, I had been gang raped by zombies. So this was going to be a little less traumatic. Wow. But yeah. I mean, this is hell. Yeah. <laughs> Hellish yeah. thing. No, that's, wow. That's uh, <laughs> when you said that the whole abortion thing was the most, was the craziest. I think. No, the gang that was the start. <laughs> that was the start. <laughs> I would say being gang raped by zombies seems like it's a little higher level. Well, I told you it was incrementally worse. And, and yeah. I, you know, I, so I thought it, after that experience, it couldn't get much worse. But then if I'm going to be, you know, waiting for customers, God knows what kind of customers that would have looked like. But I, so I, I said to this demon lady, you know, I've been here a long time and I just, I don't know what it is, but I feel like this is a particularly 
dance day. You know, is it heavy to you? I mean, I'm being sarcastic to this thing. And she says, well, it's uh, Christmas on earth. That's the all, always the worst day in hell. And mm. I said, hell? And uh, I thought, oh my gosh, that's what happened. No wonder it doesn't make sense. And I thought, I thought, this is pissing me off is what I'm thinking. And I, I said, oh, okay. And it's Christmas, huh? And so I started singing a Christmas carol, which I knew would bug her. And right. I did. So it's a way in a manger, no crib for his bed. And she's yelling, shut up. And, and the other ladies with me start singing, uh, you know, the little Lord. And we got to that part and she shrieked and jumped at me. And I closed my eyes expecting to go somewhere else because that word Jesus was going to pop out of my mouth and boom, it's like a helium balloon. that's this big and you put it on the helium and you go whoosh. I am, I am filled with such bliss and such joy and such love that it, you couldn't, you couldn't have that in a human body and not explode. Um, it was just insanely wonderful. And I forgot everything that had happened before. And I was just, just tumbling in this, this, this miraculous glowing love. And, um, as it, as, as it kind of settled or coalesced a little bit, I could, I could see that I was kind of in a room that was, I don't know, white marble. It was, but it wasn't a room because it was like puffy and stuff. And, and I looked over and I saw my friend who had died the month before. Oh, wow. And and I noticed your, your, uh, your fiance. You mean? Yeah. Okay. And he was there, and he looked great. Um, you know, when you die of leukemia, you don't look so good. And yeah. so he was looking like he was thirty-five. He had his hair was brown instead of gray. He was wearing a sweater. I brought bought him. You know, and he's grinning ear to ear. I noticed out of the corner of my eye a big table, which I thought was out of place, with a huge book open halfway. And, and I knew that he was showing me something in that book, but I couldn't remember what it was. And later, mm -hmm. I think he was showing me that I was halfway through my life and I, you know, it mm -hmm. wasn't over. So anyway, I, I put that out of my mind and I, I thought, oh, I'm not going to be the one to tell him he's dead, you know, mm -hmm. and he started laughing and I wasn't speaking out loud. So I knew that was telepathic. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, if he's dead, then I'm dead. And this is like the best news ever. I mean, really, I says, why are we standing here? Come on, show me around. And he got a little closer and he said, no, no, Mary Kay, you've got too much left to do. Hmm. I thought, oh, they're throwing me out. No, I, I said that. I, I stamped my foot and I said, no. Hmm. You wanted to stay. You betcha. Yeah. It is fantastic. Just that little, little glimpse, that little taste is it, it makes you so homesick. Um, anybody that's been there, well, that's our home. And, mm -hmm. and that's when it really dawns on you that this is just this is a play playground. This is this is school. This is not reality. Uh, you really want to go home. And so. Let me let me stop there and ask you. So yeah. when you say it's home, yeah. Did you did you get a sense that you had been there before? I belong there. Yeah, interesting. You know, that's that's where we started. That's where we belong. That's where you're totally happy. Uh, it's 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 hard coming down here. It's is you know it really is because you get the mind wipe, you know, and and you you don't know anything because that would be cheating. And uh you want to, you know, I wanted to experience things. I wanted to learn things. I wanted to help my uh soulmates that that asked me to please help. Uh uh and and now I say okay, I'm now 77. Thank God. And um I I've got to get my work done. Uh, which is talking to people like that mm -hmm. guy that walked in the sh into the barbecue shop this afternoon yeah. and spreading the word, you know, to, to people um, online like this, the, the podcast. And when I get all done, I get to go home. Yeah. Wow. So talking about that experience then, uh, was that the only experience you had in the heaven portion of your? Yeah, it was short. Yeah. Uh, 
just enough. Well, I had to go down. They usually have a timeout period. I was furious. So I had to walk down this little stream. They call it the point of no return. Uh, mm-hmm. And then then I woke up in the hospital. But uh, I was hopping mad. So that probably would have been good for my heart. When you woke up, were you angry that you woke up? You're like waking oh. up and, and you're like, what the heck? I was just dead and I was fine. What are you guys bringing me back for? I did. And it was a good thing I couldn't talk. You know, I had the thing in my throat and I, I opened my eyes and now I've all these people are milling around and I'm hot. And I thought, oh, expletive, I'm back in hell, you know. And then my daughter turns around and says, oh, mom's back. And I thought, what the hell's going on? And they're all around me, you know, talking too fast. I'm, I'm like been in another place, folks slow down and oh we thought we lost you and they they didn't think they and then my mother pipes up with we had a prayer circle going around the world and we brought you back and i thought oh if i could get my hands on that woman (laughs) (laughs) later oh i complained so much for months you know oh why didn't you let me die i I didn't let me you know i miss it and finally my mother says i said next time next time i'm sick like that i said don't save me and my mother says Honey, don't worry, we won't. <laughs> You've well, been bitching for six months. Shut up already. Well, what, that was another question I was going to have is, is now that you you had this experience, how, how does your family react? Do they believe you? Do they not? You know, I, no, well, it's been a long time, but at first mm-hmm. they wouldn't listen to me at all because they said, like my mother says, oh, Kathy, what did you do to go to hell that you don't, that we don't know about? And it's like, uh-huh. uh, you know, good, no good answer for that one. Um, <laughs> so, they, you know, they didn't want to hear about it. Why didn't Jason save you? Oh, you know, oh, no. So, no, they didn't want to hear about it. Nobody wanted to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took me 10 years before I found that Ions group. Then and then I tried, you know, I went to a couple meetings and of course they all had the angels and the butterfly adventures and all that. And I'm going, hmm, that's not what happened to me. But then one guy says, you know, you don't look real happy at these meetings. And I says, well, I don't belong here. And he says, oh, did you have a hellish experience? You know, like that was a good thing. And I said, uh, yeah. And he says, oh, those are rare. He was all excited. They're only about three out of 10. Can you tell us about it? Those are really rare. And I mm-hmm. thought, these people are loony, but yes, when I told yeah. it and people started coming out saying, yeah, that happened to me, but you know, nobody talked to me about it. So yeah, I've got a group that meets monthly with the, and I've got a workshop thing I'm working on for our conference. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that have had them and to be able to tell somebody about it and not feel condemned or um it, it, it's just makes all the difference in the world. Uh, well, why are they condemning you? Because you went to hell. So they think yes. you must be bad. Right. Because that's what their religion taught them. Well, but the thing is, this is what's I think so interesting about this. Just from a Christian perspective, when someone says, well, what did you do to go to hell? Well, I mean, we all, we all have done stuff to go to hell. Right. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like the whole purpose of the whole purpose of Christianity is like, we'll all go to hell if we don't accept Christ. Right. So that's every religion says, if you don't do what we say, you're going to hell. Right. But my point is, is that like, at least I I don't know about other religions, but I know with Christianity, it's like you are definitely going to hell because you're you're not like nobody can after. I mean, Jesus said, be therefore perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. Well. That's impossible. So you're, we all are going to hell, right? Unless we accept the Savior and we get. Or you, know, you we, understand that the Bible is a, is a book of metaphors and history. And mm. it was not written by God. Mm. Now, that that gives me a lot of points in the, you know, in the, in the Southern Baptist peoples. But uh, the understanding, you come to understand. I've done a lot of reading and a lot of people talking. And so, see, I don't believe that anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so you, now that you've had this experience, uh, you, you've shifted away from Christianity to spirituality and what, mm-hmm. uh, tell me what that it encapsulates. Has it, ch- I mean, has it changed your moral code or is it something different? Oh, no, no, I, I know, I know. Uh-uh. If I'm going to experience everything not nasty, I, and, you know, and inflict on other people's that, that I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am. When I came back, it took a couple of months, several months, 
uh, mm -hmm. to finally pray, you know, okay, if I, I got to throw this other stuff out, now shalt not do this, thou shalt not, you know, covet your neighbor's, neighbor's ass or whatever that thing was. Yeah. Um, I was given, be loving and kind, merciful and forgiving, encouraging, grateful, non-judgmental, and useful. Just concentrate on being positive things, and that's all you got to do. So, you know, what's funny is that even though you're, you no longer hold yourself out as Christian, that sounds a lot like what Jesus said. <laughs> that's what, that's what was supposed to come through, but it got twisted into, or you go to hell or you go to hell. Oh, you go to hell. And, and uh, you know, it doesn't make sense in the Bible. I love the, the prodigal son. All right. Mm -hmm. What happens? He screws up every way he can does his father say oh i'm gonna kill your brother so that that you know that you'll be forgiven what no he just gives him a hug and a coat and what you know come on in that's who god really is uh hmm. you know the same thing with the uh, you know there's the, and the beatitudes blessed are the poor blessed are the merciful blessed you know i can buy the positive things but if somebody tells me that I'm going to go to hell, if I don't do this, that, or the other thing, they don't know what they're talking about. Mm. Well, and they aren't supposed to. <laughs> I That's mean, being judgmental. That's right. not good. And you're not um, supposed to do that. In fact, I think Jesus is the one who told you not to do that. So if you're a Christian and you're doing it, that's bad. But, yeah. but, but as far as your experience then, as you're going through it, yeah. Um, tell me, tell me how it's, changed your perspective you mentioned it changed your life made change your perspective what uh actually before we go into that though let me ask you when you like I, i'm sure also the deconstruction of your christian faith probably took a little bit of time did you when you woke up or even as you were going to hell did you have any sense of like oh yeah i'm going to hell like there's something i've done i, I don't want to know what it is but there was there something that you were like well it makes sense i went to hell no, I was a good person. <laughs> I yeah. was a good person. I I was still going to church every week. I going to confession, going to doing positive things. Uh, it's just that no, I, I wasn't a murderer, or a rapist, or a, you know stealing money from people. You know that whole thing. If Christ died for our sins, period. That's that's fine. I, I don't even, I can't even get that. I can't mm -hmm. as a mother think if I love my, my daughter and my son and, and I, I don't know when you stop and think about it, it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, well, no, none of this makes sense. I was having a conversation with, uh, I did a podcast a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, with a couple of friends, a, a listener wrote in and asked about, they were having the faith, they call them faith journeys now, but they used to be called faith crisis where they're kind of questioning where they, where their stuff mm -hmm. is and all that. And, and, you know, we had this conversation about this whole concept of, uh, I, I kind of lost my term of thought where I was going. What were you talking about when I, before I, <laughs> before I, <laughs> Um, well, the whole, well, the whole thing about Jesus dying for our sins and, and then we still go to hell. I mean, no, I know what, I mean. My, <laughs> what I said, what I was saying to him was I go, you know, some, because I'm, I'm Mormon, right? I'm the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And there are people mm -hmm. who go, oh, Joseph Smith finding golden plates and, you know, translating this book of Mormon. That sounds crazy. And I go, yeah, any crazier than like a homeless carpenter walking around for three years, telling all these, doing all these kind of liberal things for the times being crucified. And then three days later, raising up from the dead. And then somehow that means you no longer have to, you, you are all forgiven of every bad thing you've ever done. That makes more sense than Joseph Smith found a golden, golden plates that translated into the word of God. Like it's all crazy. None of, none of this stuff, like, <laughs> none of the spiritual stuff. You, 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 you can't look at it with a material mind. Like, you know, I think this is where science and religion kind of do this thing where if you're like a materialist and you're looking for what we're talking about is not material. <laughs> it's it's spiritual. It's something that's it's metaphysical. It's something that it's it's something you can't track in our human minds and our human scales. So all of this stuff that you're talking about, you know, you, you're you, yes, if you're looking at it from a, a, a materialistic 
physical standpoint, it doesn't make any logical sense. It, it comes from spirit. It comes from your soul. So, so, so now tell me as you're going through, I want to know how this has shaped you as a person now and how you are different now than you were before. I would think the biggest thing is I'm no longer a victim. Mm. Uh, tell me more about that. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, all right. When I had my first baby and she was born with these terrible birth defects and she lived for two days and they did a terrible operation on her and she died. Mm. I said to God, what the, you know what? Um, I have been a good person. I have always done, followed your, I almost became a nun for crying out loud. And now you do this to me. You know, mm-hmm. you, you do, you torture that little baby and you kill her. You know, I have trouble with you now. I really do. And now, not only this, but now you are going to blackmail me. And if I don't, you know, continue along this path and do your things, then you're going to send me to hell and I'll never see her again. Ooh, that was a nasty time for me. But sure. now if I can look at that and say, we planned all that. My daughter was a soul that says, okay, I'll go down for nine months. I am not doing earth again. Okay. But I will help you learn empathy. I will help you learn uh, in a way that is going to help other people. This will be something. And two, uh, several of my friends had, we all had taken these birth control pills that cause birth defects. So I had several girlfriends lose babies. And I had one that said to me, Kathy, I, you're the only person I can talk to because everybody always says, oh, I know how you feel or, you know, you'll get over it. And she, she says, you know how I feel. I feel mm-hmm. safe with you. So mm-hmm. there's, there's a certain tragedy brings an empathy for people who are in that same situation that is, you know, invaluable. So I, I realize now I planned all these things. It takes the, the, the stress way down. And if I run into something now that looks kind of chaotic or, or not going to be a good experience, and I say, all right, if I've planned this, there's bound to be something in here I need to really think about and, and look for. There's a lesson here. And, um, you know, <laughs> it changes everything. That does. That does. Um, I want to ask you a question, but uh, well, let me let me about, uh, kind of build off of what you just said. I had I had a motivational speaker on. Uh, I think his his podcast will probably drop before yours. Um, but he said something really profound when we were talking about life difficulties. And he said, uh, the pain that you feel doesn't come from the trial. The pain comes from you thinking that you shouldn't have to go through the trial. Right. right. And, and I said, wow, that's really profound because you think about it the way you, like you, I could feel what you were talking about when you felt that anger. Cause I felt that way before. Right. I've had tragedies in my life. I've certainly never lost a baby like that. That is really traumatic. And I feel for you. Uh, I couldn't imagine what that was like, but you know, yeah, I've been in that spot where you look through it and you go, wait a minute. Okay. Like I've, I say my prayers, I go to church, I pay tithing, I went on a mission, I I visit people, I minister to people, I, you know, I can't think of three Sundays in a row that I've missed church in my life. You know, uh this was not in the this was not in the cards. This is not what I signed up for. But mm-hmm. when you realize that the good and the bad is all part of a plan that is going to grow you into the person that God wants you to be, then those things that you see there, those trials are really painful things that teach you lessons. Plus you you agreed to it. You agreed that, that, that would happen. You you volunteered. You said, I will do this for others. I will do this for others. So that's actually what I want. I'm glad you brought that up because that was the question I wanted to ask you. So based on what you've learned through your, your experience and hearing the experiences of others. So you actually believe that you participated, you used the word committee before, but like you participated in deciding you are going to come down and these are the things you're going to deal with. That's because we, God gave us free will. Sure. I mean, God, I, I don't believe anymore that God has a plan for me. 
I mm. think God, I know God gave me free will and said, go for it. Well, and and well, God, God, God is just love. God is just love. And he loves all his children. He loves us because we're a part of him and he's not a him. Um, it's, um, it's a lot simpler. I mean, we're just not used to hearing it from this direction. We've been so in, indoctrinated uh, by millennia of people that told us, you know, our culture, our religion, our, you know, we don't know any better, yeah. but uh, something like this wakes you up. Believe me. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, I mean, it sounds like this gave you a new purpose and you believe the purpose is to spread the word of what you saw. Yeah. Do you think, do you, do you see changes in yourself just spiritually that you think are for the better or any that you think are for the worse as a result of this experience? No, it's all for the better. I mean, just knowing that we never die, that our, 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 our loved ones are right here. I mean, my dad and I, he died three years ago. We're, you know, we're, he's placed tricks on me. I mean, he sent me an email. I've got an email from my dad after he died. Um, he, I just... I just feel like I'm more part of that world. Um, I'm kind of half here and half there. I know I'm here temporarily. I know where my real home is. I know when I get home, all my friends and families, people's pets, they're all up there. Uh, it's, it's a great homecoming. And if I want to come down again, I can. I can go somewhere else. But this free will thing and this eternal thing, the eternal aspect of it. We're so used to looking at things spoiling in four days or, you know, you die when you're a certain age, but to know that this is forever, you, you can, you cannot think, Oh, I've got to get this all done now because I only got this one chance. Nah, nah, you got, you got plenty, you got plenty of chances and it's all good. Hmm. It's all working for good. So I uh, want to tie this into families. Um, I had uh, Jacob Cooper on not too long ago, and he told me how his experience that he saw made him understand that there was a nature within the family unit that is stronger than just this life. Mm -hmm. Do you get that same sense? And, and if you do, how would you describe family? I think... Um... They say there are, um, well, that's why they call them, uh, oh gosh, I've lost the word, uh, soulmates. Mm -hmm. That they're, yeah, that's their family of soulmates. And uh, it was, that's how I've heard a lot of people talk about it. That um, I just know when I wrote my memoir that I had to go back several generations, being a Mormon, you're, you're into that kind of thing, yeah. to know that, that, that those, even from a human standpoint, the genes, you know, the, the propensity to be tending toward alcoholism or, or violence or whatever, that can be, you know, filtered through to when your soul comes you and you pick that body, this is, this is the DNA you're, you're going to have to work with. Yeah. And it's got certain things in there that can't be changed. So you're going to have to deal with that. So I, yeah, if that makes any sense, there's a, there's a soul, not DNA, but um, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, it's I, somehow connected. So I did another podcast with a Mormon scholar named Patrick Mason, who wrote a book on faith journeys and, and crisis and, and the gospel. And he said something that I think he, I'm going to totally murder it. I, I wish I, I wish I was as eloquent as he was, but he essentially said something very similar to what you're saying. And that he said, before we were born, we were intelligences. We built into sp spirit children of a God. And then we come down here and we had our soul, but there's so many things that affect the free will, like the environment we come into mm -hmm. and the DNA that we get. So for example, you know, like if you're somebody who par whose parents drank a lot of alcohol, their neurotransmitters went a little different way. There's a greater propensity or greater likelihood that you're going to develop ADD or ADHD because your neurotransmitters don't work the same. Right? right. That is not something that you, you know, maybe that's something you chose. You don't, we don't know. But the point is, is when, we're, when you have this idea of commandments and gods and thing, things that you're supposed to do, there's so many things that affect your ability to do those things that a judgment is really 
is really hard to do uniformly. It had even if there was a judgment, it would have to be very specific and individual because of all of these factors that affect you. It sounds like that's what you're saying is that you come down as a soul and you want to learn specific things, but then you get this body that you didn't necessarily have anything to do with that comes from generations of DNA and the environmental factors and things in the air and the type of food people are eating and all these different things that turn you into the person you are. No, I believe that I chose that body. Really? For, for the, yeah. Yeah. For I've chosen everything. I, I wanted that body and it was for a specific reason. I wanted that family for a specific reason. There's alcoholism rife in my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've had to deal with that. Um, I, I, my brother died of alcoholism. Um, my sister, I, I don't know. I don't judge anybody, but I, I, I had been a heavy drinker at one time, but now I don't drink at all. So, uh, yeah, I think that's all part of it. And it's not a judgment and it's not me saying that I'm better than somebody else. I chose better than somebody else. The point is just to, just to be here and not be judgmental. That's a huge thing. I don't know about you if you're judgmental, but I have a hard time sitting in a large room where, you know, selling my books and all these people are coming and going. And my human brain says, oh my God, that woman is so overweight or, oh my God. You know, I mean, I, I have to stop myself a hundred times a day and stay non-judgmental, non-judgmental. And that's, that's not being kind. And so I'm learning all the time, but I'm aware I'm aware. And that's, that's, I guess, where we have to get um, to that's, not judge myself, you know, to, to say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to choose to be loving and kind on this. I am. I'm just going to well, think that I think that 75% of the battle is being self-aware of it. You know, uh, I don't know how many people I've talked to who would say, who, who will say they're not judgmental and right after they go. Okay. And then you go, and you go, yeah. Oh, am I? Yeah. Me... Yeah. You're jumping. Am I back? Yeah. You hear me now? Yes. Okay. Maybe when you get too close to the camera or something. It might. It might be. I think my Wi-Fi is a little, little funny. But. Oh, okay. But I, I, yeah, but uh, you know, I, I think that it's, it's interesting because I very often, I, like I said before, I don't know how much it picked up, but seventy-five percent of it is really being self-aware because I know so many people who just aren't. They'll, they'll say something completely judgy about somebody and then tell me how non-judgmental they are. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think that I, over time, I think I still occasionally judge people and I don't look, I think we have at times we have to be judgmental because we don't know what we're getting into. Like for example, you know, and I don't know if this is necessarily judgmental, maybe it is, but if I'm walking in, in a bad part of town and I see a group of people dressed a certain way, looking a certain way, hands in their, you know, in their hoodies, uh, and they're being loud. I got to make a judgment call really quick, not knowing who those guys are, of how close I want to get to them. And do I want to maybe cross the street? So you, you, in some way you have to be, but yeah, I, I've well, tried, I've tried very hard to not be, you know, that judgmental of people who have maybe done bad things and are regretful, if that makes sense. Yeah, but we have to be aware, uh, you know, of, an, of a dangerous situation. And if, you're, if your vibes are, are telling you danger, that's fine. You don't have to judge the person, just the situation. Yeah. And that's hard. You know, I've been in that too, where, <laughs> you know, there I'll see a guy, there's someone I can think of right now who's just you know, very, you mentioned overweight, just very overweight. And I look at him and I go, that can't even be comfortable. I don't know, you know, uh, but you don't know what they're, I was just having this conversation with a therapist on this podcast. I said, you know, when you have somebody who's that overweight, there's something else going on other than they just like donuts. You know what I mean? There's, there's oh, something, yeah. there's some on. pain there somewhere. Yeah. But, but I think that one thing I keep in mind every time I get myself down that road, is I, I try to say to myself, remember that there's a war going on in their mind that you don't know anything about. That's right. And so everybody's going through something. I, um, you know, I mentioned I'm Mormon and I've served in leadership numerous times. And one thing I've learned in a leadership role is that um, I think in all churches, you probably experience this in the Catholic church. You know, if you go there to mass or church or whatever, and you see all those people that seemingly look perfect. Uh, 
I could tell you as being a, a leader that most of those people are definitely not. And most of them are kind of a train wreck, you know, I mean, <laughs> um, not, not necessarily. And I don't think that's specific to church people. I think everybody is dealing with something that is really yeah. hard. Um, we're human. It's we're I, imperfect. That's just the yeah. way we, that's, that's the package we get. Yeah. So after this life, we die. Do you think that you, you mentioned hierarchies and things like that? Do you think that it's a situation where we die? We just hang out in a cloud with a harp with wings and playing and no, no. every once in a while and haunting people. What do you think it is? <laughs> that would be fun. No, I've <laughs> talked to enough people that have went there and stayed and they got to go to the universities. They got to go to the, the place with all the books. You can, you can go forward and backwards in time. You can go to all the other universes. You, you won't get bored. Because at, at one point, I remember saying to God, if all I'm going to do is listen to that same blasted angel chorus, sing the same Alleluia song for eternity, I'm out of here. You know, but but uh, I had an experience after that, that that had that bliss thing. And all you got to feel is about one second of that bliss. And you think, oh, I, I want to do this all of the time, all the time. So but. Other people, like I say, I know I know hundreds of people that have had they've been in all kinds of different places. It's that you can't get bored. You can't get bored. I, I just uh, I'm looking forward to it now. I really am. And I know I'll I'll, I'll I mean, my dad and I are going to meet up. He was a pilot and we're going to we're going to go fly. You can fly. I'm we're going to go into a black hole because I've always wanted to know what was inside that. So that's one of the things my dad and I are going to do. My mom wants to lay on a beach and play uh, chicken foot. This is a game. There's all kinds of stuff to do and all kinds of people to see that you didn't recognize on earth. I think that's going to be a fun thing. All your soulmates that you thought, oh my God, I had this horrible neighbor. And it turns out to be one of your best friends up there that says, well, you wanted to be, to be annoying so you could learn to be patient. I know it's going to be fun. So I want to ask you more about that concept of soulmates real quick. So mm -hmm. what is your understanding of what a soulmate is? Uh, well, it's being like a best friend up there. I mean, there's gazillions of souls. So uh, like right now, I think that you and I were enough soulmates where we said, OK, this time we're not going to see much of each other. So we'll get together for about an hour. We'll kick something around. We'll have a good time. And then when we get back home, we'll say, oh, wasn't that fun? Hmm. Wow. That's a good concept. Do you think how many do you think that there's a a certain number of soulmates or do you yeah. think it's just, wow? No, I don't think so. I think it's people you're going to run into. Yeah. You know? uh, it's like well, you're, it's interesting because there are some people that you run into and they immediately change your life. You know? Right. And you and, say where do I know you from? I know I know you. I've never met you, but I you're so familiar. And that's, yeah. what is, that's one of the signals. Yeah. 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 It's interesting that that you have that and you can almost sense it when yeah. you, when you, when you finally sit down and talk with them and you go, there's something about you, you right. know, and it, we just clicked, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. And yeah. well, that's interesting. Let me ask you, um, I, I want to ask you a few questions. I ask everybody. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, these are kind of life questions. First, what would you say? Um, is your biggest success in life? Success. Um, being able to touch people's lives and have them say, I, I'm so glad I ran into you today or you've really helped me. Yeah. What do you think is your biggest failure in life and what did you learn from it? I think not trusting that, mm. that and not trusting that God, uh, hadn't abandoned me, you know, that, and that I don't think that anymore. Thank heavens. Cause that's a terrible dark place to be. Was that when your, your daughter passed away or. Yeah, that, that was the worst. Hmm. How long ago was that before your experience? Well, I was only 20 when I had her. So about 50, oh, wow. 50 years, 57 years ago. Wow. So. Um, did you carry that feeling, even though you were going to church, did you carry that feeling for 
up until you had that experience or did you get over that some other way? No, I didn't understand it. I couldn't mm. understand it. Mm. It was, it's still so painful today. I'm sure. Was, yeah. yeah. Even though I know she's fine. And, and uh, one thing that I've heard from some people is that, uh, um, that let's, let's just take her example that when, when she was born, her soul left mm. and, and the doctors operated, you know, she was breathing and all of that, but she didn't feel any pain. Mm. Um, I've heard that of, of people that are having, going through terrible things, particularly children, mm. they step, they step out of their body and, and uh, they're really not. Uh, I think, yeah, and that makes me feel better. <laughs> I don't know, uh, you know, when you hear some tragedy with a child being kidnapped and all that stuff, you just think, oh God, I don't even yeah. care. Did you, um, do you feel though, you said it still hurts today, but do you feel like your experience in going to the other side helped you kind of, um, I guess, kind of process that a little bit better? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I definitely could let, I got out of the picture on that. I, I understood that she and I decided to do that together. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, I think she, she stepped out and um, I learned a very valuable, oh, many, many valuable lessons came out of that after the pain. Because if you, if you don't experience excruciating pain, you cannot be empathetic um, and that's, that's the most helpful thing you can do for somebody is, yeah. is to say, I feel your pain and have them say, yeah, I know you do. And can I just have a hug, <laughs> you know, um, to share that humanity? Yeah. I think that that's, that's so important to remember because it is true. You know, you go through some pretty traumatic things and then when you hear others, they at least know they have somebody who understands them. And that's exactly. Really yeah. Do uh, in on that real quick, do you think what is your understanding of what would happen to your daughter? Do you, and what I mean by that is, is do you think she died and she's still a kid there? Do you is she going to be raised at some point or is she just a soul over there and that's what happened and she's good? I, I don't know. People don't really talk about seeing children over there. I think our soul is ageless. Mm -hmm. We're human and we we're in time, so we have age. Mm. So, no, I think her soul. Uh, whatever I know that souls can look like they want to look like my, my friend, you know, who looked like he was 35 instead of 53. Um, so that you can recognize one another, but I think you could also recognize them if they were just an orb. A lot of people, uh, will see just a, a light, a, like a bubble. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I wasn't there long enough, but most people don't seem to have a problem recognizing souls. Wow. Well, I'll ask you, this is a, the last question I ask everybody. And that is at some point you're going to, you are going to pass away and it'll be for good this time. And, yeah. and when you do, um, there'll be a funeral <laughs> and there'll be a eulogy. And what would you hope the one thing would be that someone would say in your eulogy? She was a loving and kind person. Yeah. I get that sense from you. I really do. You know, it, you, you have a passion about you that I really appreciate, you know, Thank you. And uh, uh, I think the lessons that you've learned have been have been great. I'm sure when you tell your story that uh, there are people, a lot of people who instills a lot of hope. And there's probably some people that are real skeptical when they hear it. Yeah. Uh, but I can tell that you believe it and that's and that you're you're passionate about it and you've learned some great lessons on it. And I think that's really great. Well, so, good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well. Well, listen, I, I appreciate you coming on. For those who've listened to this, subscribe. we got a bunch of other things coming on. Um, you know, uh, Do you have anything else in the works? Are you going to write another book? Are you going speaking anywhere? What's Where can people find you? Yeah, um, um, the name of my book is Misfit in Hell to Have an Expat, and that's my same title for my uh, website. And um, so you can get in touch with me there. And uh, I'm on a lot of uh, YouTubes and that sort of thing. And um, yeah, I'd love to hear from them. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And, uh, and thanks everyone for listening and we will catch you again next time. Yeah.